Hi listeners, it's Kat here from Cast a Guest. I just wanted to take a quick minute outside of the show to let you know about empowerment coaching. I know this is probably confusing a lot of people right now. Outside of telling you about true crime, I work as a life coach, helping others achieve their goals, break down barriers, eliminate limiting beliefs, or anything else a person may need guidance to achieve their most authentic life. The world has been upside down since 2020, and I know a lot of us may be lost, confused, or unsure as to what we want and how to get there. If you think speaking with a life coach may help you, please feel free to contact me at alteregowellness at outlook.com or at alteregowell on Instagram. Okay, now back to our show. Hey folks, how's it going? Yeah, I know it's hot, it's summer. So today we are continuing our Unsolved Mysteries series. We're still trying to find a good a good name for this series. Our uh, Mysteries Unsolved. You ever notice how like documentaries do that? They like just reverse the adjective. Mysteries Unsolved. Space Unexplored. Shit Unpooped. Anyways, shit unpooped. Okay, well, we got two stories here for you today, and here's what we got for you. We have Alberta, which is in Canada, by the way. Green pickup truck. A green pickup truck. Payphones. Hitchhiking. And a high-speed chase. If you're thinking, holy shit, the budget for the next Fast and Furious movie was severely slashed, You're wrong, because those movies will only ever get better. They only ever will get better and bigger and better. (laughs) Can you imagine a Fast and Furious movie in Alberta? Like, it it makes sense, right? Like, if, if, like, you know, the Fast and Furious movies, they were, like, in the Arctic, the jungle. They were off cliffs. They went to space. It only makes sense that the next one ends up in the middle of Canada. That's the next frontier for those for this franchise. Looking for Dom's long lost half brother, four times removed cousin, <laughs> aunt <laughs> in the middle of Calgary. <laughs> okay, no, seriously, we are going to be talking about today the tragic unsolved cases of Angela Hammond and Amber Takaro. These ones actually pissed me right off. So grab something cold and with a high ABV. Good luck to you and good luck to us. I'm John. And I am Kat, who is not here again because it's way too hot in our office. And this is Castagast. Hot yeah, you wuss, you you little wuss. Right. Let's get let's fucking get through this. It's too <laughs> fucking hot for this shit. 
Okay, give us our disclaimer then. What do you mean give us our disclaimer? We I didn't even say hello to everyone. Hi, everyone. Hi, everybody. Hey, we, we're doing a podcast and uh, we put a little bit of levity into it because otherwise it'd be really depressing for us and we'd re, we, and we would cry. Instead, we like to make fun of the murders and their families and every asshole who helps the murderers and the rapists and we hate them. So with that in mind, let's get pissed off and pissed drunk and get on with the goddamn show. Wow, took you. You had a bit of a stroke there, but yeah. Well, I'm in better health than you are. All right. Yeah. Right. All right. We have p- episode two of our series of unsolved. I don't think can no, two episodes no constitutes longer, a series. We can no longer say though that our series just remain one episode. We've now broken that mold. I, I don't think two episodes constitutes a series. All right. So. Today, we will be talking about two unsolved missing persons cases. So buckle your seatbelts, motherfucks. So, first story, Angela Hammond. Angela Hammond, who went by Angie, was born February 9th, 1971. Angela and her family moved to the quiet farming town of Clinton in Missouri when Angela was four years old. Quiet, quiet farming town. Imagine it's like that, just like people are just like, we just don't (laughs) Like in in Seinfeld, like he's a low talker. (laughs) In November of 1990, at the age of 19, Angela met Rob Schaefer, the boy she knew she wanted to spend the rest of her life with. Man, everyone feels that way about Rob Schaefer. Rob (laughs) Rob and Angie were madly in love with each other, and by January 1991, they became engaged. They were also expecting their first baby together. And although a shock to the couple, they loved each other and were determined to get married and raise their baby together. They had grand plans. Angie was already taking classes at Missouri State University and working at a bank, and Rob planned to join the military. In April of 1991, Rob and Angie were at their friend's house enjoying a barbecue. Later in the evening, Rob had to leave to go home because he had promised to babysit his little brother. So Angie, Rob, and her friend Kyla piled in the car to drop Rob off. Angie promised to call Rob later that night. After driving around town in her parents' Mustang with her friend Kyla for a little while, the friends grew tired and were ready to turn in for the night. Angie dropped Kyla off at home, and before heading home herself, she stopped off at a payphone to call Rob. Oh my god, that's how old this is, payphones. Yeah, she did this because she didn't have a home phone. It's she didn't have a home phone. No. Come on, no, the, rate, the not, rates were so good probably back Probably not in her bedroom. Like, there was probably, like, the main kitchen phone, because that's for some reason where everyone put, like, the landline phone was in the kitchen. That's so true. Yeah, no unless then the bank room. cordless phones came out, and you could have one in the living room. My yeah. mom would always have the cordless phone. Yeah, same Like, with the, sitting on the, like, the coffee table. Yeah, with or, a like, giant antenna. Oh, my God. Old boomers. <laughs> So at the payphone, it's now around 11.15, and the couple happily chatted a while about normal things. But then Angie... <laughs> is that day, your, is that your day description? To day. Is yes. that your description? Yeah, about, about normal. normal things. <laughs> it's too hot for you. Oh, shut up. But then Angie started growing uncomfortable as she kept noticing a green Ford pickup truck circling the parking lot. She expressed her uneasiness to Rob, who tried calming her and putting her at ease. The truck then pulled up alongside the phone booth, and this really unnerved Angie. The man driving had shaggy hair and looked unkempt. 
He then got out of the car and used the other payphone, which was out of order. He walked back to his truck and took out a flashlight and appeared to be looking for something in his truck. Angie asked the man if he needed the phone, and he replied that he would try the other one in a minute. Rob and Angie continued on with their conversation. However, just a moment later, Rob heard Angie scream. He heard the man say that he didn't need to use the phone anyways. Rob immediately bolted out of his house, into his car, and headed straight for the payphone, hoping to stop whatever may be happening. As he was getting closer to the location of the payphone, a green Ford pickup sped past him and Rob could hear Angie screaming his name, yelling out to him. Holy fucking shit, this is intense. Rob threw his car into reverse, spinning around to get to the truck. However, in doing this, he unknowingly damaged the transmission oh, fuck that. of his car by throwing it into reverse so quickly. He was able to follow the truck for two miles before the transmission failed and his car broke down. Rob ran on foot to the police station and described everything that had happened. The very next day, the entire town of Clinton was shook to its core. Its small, quiet town was now not immune to the dangers that you would see in big cities. Sadly, the truck was never seen again. Oh, for fuck's sakes. An extensive search for Angie took place. Police ruled out hundreds of trucks, and they also investigated Rob, but ruled him out after he passed a polygraph. Within a week of her abduction, her case was connected to two others that had taken place within 100 miles. Witnesses did come forward from Angie's case and the two other murder cases about a suspicious man circling areas in a green truck. Angela's description to Rob and the other witnesses described the suspect to be a dirty Caucasian man with glasses, a beard, and a mustache. Jesus, sounds like a modern-day hipster. <laughs> yeah. Angie stated that he was wearing overalls. He drove an older 60s to early 70s two-toned green Ford pickup with a mural of a fish jumping out of the water on the back window. How is this hard to find? I know. No trace of Angela Hammond has ever been found. Oh, fuck. If anyone has information on the disappearance of Angela Hammond, please call 911 or 1-800-THE-LOST. 1-800-843-5678. Or you can contact the Clinton Police Department in Missouri at 1-660-885-5561. Jeez, when those numbers come up on our phone, it's like, well, that's spam. <laughs> oh, fucking... That's her at 19, and that was an age-progressed photo. That's the drawn-up description of the suspect, and, and that's Rob. Can you imagine? The saddest thing I've ever read was that the car sped past him, and he threw the car into reverse, and only to blow his transmission. Fuck. He must have been pounding that fucking wheel. That poor girl, holy shit. Yes, like, and just to see him and think, like, an ounce of hope, you know, like, anyways. Our second case is Amber Takaro. Amber Alyssa Takaro was born January 3, 1990, in Alberta, Canada. By the age of 20 years old, she was a very loving mother to her 14-month-old son, Jacob. Amber had her struggles. A single mother and trying to make ends meet, she would move between her mother's house and a local women's shelter, but always remained in touch and very close with her mother and her family. During her time at the shelter, she met a woman named Evangeline, and the two became friends. A little while later, Amber and her friend Evangeline decided to take a short trip together to Edmonton with Jacob in tow, of course. She would rarely go anywhere without her son. The pair booked a room at the Nisku Place Motel in Nisku, Alberta. 
On August 18, 2010, 20-year-old Amber decided she wanted to head into the city. Evangeline decided to stay behind and watch Jacob, and so Amber left the room at around 8 p.m. The next day, Evangeline spoke with Tootsie, Amber's mother, and told her that Amber had not returned to the hotel. Tootsie was also worried as she has not received any text from her which was out of character as they usually spoke throughout the day. Tootsie called the RCMP to report Amber missing, but they brushed her off telling her, quote, well, maybe she's out partying and she will call her or whatever, end quote. Who the fuck are these cunts? You hear about that all the time. Someone's missing. This is totally not like them. They're they're out partying. You don't know the person who's missing. Like, could you imagine if that were me and they told you she's probably out? Like, th- that would be so... Oh, the the amount of filth that would come out of my mouth yeah, cause... To, to insult them yeah. would be incredible. They would lock me up for what I would say <laughs> to this fucking person. On August 28th, 2010, RCMP said they had a sighting of Amber, so they closed her case and removed her from the missing persons database, despite not confirming if the sighting was even accurate. Oh, for fuck's sakes. A month later, Tootsie was able to get her re-added to the list. This is a month later. Yeah. This is so fucking garbage. On August 28th, 2012, exactly two years after the RCMP's sighting... If for those of you who can't see, because we're not filming, Cat made quotation signs <laughs> with her fingers. Police released an audio recording of a phone call between Amber and her brother. Amber's brother was in jail at the time, so all calls were recorded. It is likely that Amber had hitchhiked and accepted a ride from the man heard on the recording. You can hear clearly on the recording that she is becoming suspicious. It is believed that she has purposely called her brother, knowing this conversation would be recorded. The audio recording is a total of 17 minutes, but police released 61 seconds. And I'm going to play that for you now. Where are we by? We're just heading south of uh, Beaumont, or north of Beaumont. We're heading north of Beaumont. Yo, where are we going? No, this is a... Are you f***ing kidding me? You better not take... You better not take me anywhere I don't want to go. I want to go into the city. Shame. Yo, we're not going into the city, are we? No, we're not. Then where the f*** are these roads going to? 50th Street. 50th Street. Are you sure? Absolutely. Yo, where are we going? 50th Street. I have not seen a single YouTube ad that makes me want to purchase a the fucking product. like a fucking goddamn like Subaru or some shit. Or the next like Ford F-150. Like, I have a dick. Thank you. I just want to watch my hermit craft. Of a 17-minute conversation, that is what they released? That's that's the 61 61 seconds? seconds. Yeah. I want to know what the other 17 minutes are. Like, that's that's really fucking suspicious. But yeah. That can't all be dead air. There can't only be 61 seconds of a 17-minute conversation that's just dead air. Well, she's having it with her brother, right? Or... Oh, so are they not allowed to release the, what the brother's no, saying? No, they, they are. Her brother was the one that 
brought this to the RCMP's attention. Man, the RCMP, like, what the fuck are they thinking? And this is 2012? Yeah. I I also have to say, the the scumbag who's driving the car sounds like a shitty neighbor. (laughs) And just to give you an idea about our shitty neighbor, he looks like 2022 David Letterman if he got fat and used a smoker. (laughs) Just four days after the audio was released, Amber's skeletal remains were found on a rural road near Leduc County by horseback riders. Three people came forward saying they had recognized the man's voice as Pat Carson, a known sex offender in Alberta. RCMP could not link Amber Takaro to Pat Carson, so they ruled him out as a person of interest. Thought Catalog reports that RCMP have a long history of neglect and abuse towards Canada's Aboriginal population. Yeah, no shit. More than half of murders of Aboriginal women in Canada are unsolved. In 2019, the RCMP issued an apology to the Takaro family. The Civilian Review and Complaints Commission provided the family with a 120-page report that stated the RCMP's investigation was deficient. Tootsie and Amber's family rejected the apology. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck them. Tootsie is raising Jacob, Amber's son, and her family has not stopped fighting for Amber and are determined to bring her killer to justice. It is so fucking infamous. Mm Mm-hmm. How many of these uh, these native women just go fucking missing? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Was oh. this was this on that horrible highway or whatever no, the fuck they called no, it? No, the Highway of Tears. Yeah. No, I don't believe it was on the Highway of Tears, um, but you can hear her repeating constantly, like "You're where are we going? This is not taking us into the city. You're lying." Yeah. You know, and she kept repeating where he was saying they were going 50th Street. and Jesus. I want to know how thorough their investigation was to Pat Carson. Oh, it was fucking not thorough at all, I bet. When people had come forward saying, that sounds like him, you know, but I thought these were two very interesting cases. Um, and even though I still considered Amber Takaro's case a missing person's case, despite her remains being found, yeah. because there's still no closure to her missing case like she went missing she was kidnapped skeletal remains Mm -hmm. that's fucking a concern because it was two years later oh yeah 2010 and the recording was released in 2012 and then four days after the recording her remains were found i find that that awfully suspicious that is awfully it's like maybe she was somewhere else and her remains were dumped because if her body had been dumped, I want to know if her enti- if her remains were found intact. Because if her entire body as a whole and fresh was dumped off of this, onto this road, animals would have oh, they picked her apart and carried off yeah. her limbs, and which is very common, what you hear. They, they say it, it's, it's a product of the elements. Due to the product of the elements, we couldn't find all skeletal remains and... So if they, I I would be curious to know if they found all of her skeletal remains because, and together, because if they did, that would make me think someone had gotten scared and thought I got to get her off of my property or something and dug her up or wherever she was and dumped her somewhere else. God, this is fucked. Mm -hmm. This is fucked. And to think I kind of want to live in Alberta. I always think that about myself. Like, when I think about places I want to live, like, I would love to live in Florida. But then you look at, like, crime statistics down there and, like, how hot it and is. And it's, like, weird crime. But it's a dry heat. It's a dry... And it's only alligators. They're not crocodiles. Um, or, well, uh, 
you know, like we were looking at a house in Newfoundland and it's like, yeah. well, there's Newfies there. <laughs> and I just remember like I watched the show, The First 48, a lot. And like I hear so many cases where it's like John Smith found dead while working his pizza delivery shift, having just moved here four months ago. And I think, oh, God, like, could that happen to, to us? We move and then all of a sudden, like, we get murdered. <laughs> no, not to us. <laughs> Not to us. Why would you put that juju out there? <laughs> fucker. I'll have to sage the house after. Sage the house. <laughs> we'll get we'll, we'll have to find Rod Steiger to bless <laughs> this house. Guys, Keep the flies out. Anyways, we should wrap this up because we still have to go to work today. Yeah, fuck. God. Alright, folks. Thanks for sticking around. Oh, we gotta we do have Dylan. Dylan McDermott. Mc- Let's get uh, Saint Dylan up here. <laughs> it's time to listen to the wise words of St. Dylan McDermott. My theory about actors is we're all walking milk cartons. Expiration dates everywhere. Wow. I don't... Someone give this man an Oscar. I don't... Everyone is a walking milk carton because everyone has an expiration date. And you know what's fun? If you've ever been to, um, you know, a workplace or just out in public... Some people have a best before day, too. I feel like that was a fitting quote for our missing persons cases today because uh, there's missing persons on milk cartons. Yeah. I believe Johnny Gosh was the first milk milk carton kid. I could be wrong. Let me Google that real quick. There's a bitch at your work who's well past her best before date. Yes. I'm sorry I was wrong. The first... Milk carton kid was Eden Pats. Eden Pats. I wonder if they found him. Well, maybe we'll cover him on our show. Yeah. He was a six-year-old New Yorker. <laughs> I can't I imagine like a little kid calling with, a six-year-old a New Yorker, or, or like a, or like a, like a, a young New Jersey kid. Like, what the hell is going on here? I'm trying to have some fucking food. Where's the lunchables? He kind of sounded like a fucking leprechaun. <laughs> yeah, they did. I was trying to do Tony Soprano. A little baby Tony Soprano. What the pajut? I want the fucking that pajut. You fucking fergazi. <laughs> All right. I uh, wish we I could. remember when I taught like swimming lessons and I had a legit, I had a class where like one kid had a French accent, one kid only spoke German. Mm. And one kid had a British accent and they were all like four years old. Oh my gosh. And it was the weirdest fucking yeah. class. Like the little, the little, the little German could be like nine, nine, nine. <laughs> Come on, let's do front float. Nine, nine, nine. Nick schwimmen. <laughs> and like I would speak a little bit of German, and, and the mother would be like, "Oh, she loves you. You speak the secret language." <laughs> and then, and then the little British child, he would, <laughs> so stupid. No, sure, sure. It was like a little Michael Caine. Sure, I seem to have soiled myself. It's just, I, I, I soiled my nappy. <laughs> like trying to do back float and i see this brown cloud coming out of this oh little british God. child i'm like oh this looks like big bean breakfast it's like the charlie bit my finger kid remember him on charlie yeah charlie <laughs> bit like, my it, was, finger. it was exactly like it was the weirdest fucking class i'm like i'm i'm it's fucking like teaching in the united nations <laughs> yeah i have the entire eu yeah. economy in yeah. my class at the moment that's funny I'm looking at your screensaver, and it's that old picture of The Rock with his fanny pack, and it's 
<laughs> I wonder he's, how much pussy he got out of that. Oh my gosh, that he, face! That fanny like pack. A lot. I want to know what he was holding in the fanny I know, pack. Just is, a shit ton of condoms. What is in the fanny pack? Because it doesn't look flat. Like he's he's holding it and it's still puffed out. <laughs> All the a bunch of that was early in his career, right? So yeah. it's like a bunch of fives yeah. <laughs> and condoms. Maybe one diaphragm. All right. I have to eat breakfast. Okay. So. All right. Thanks a lot, folks. Thanks for sticking around and uh, have a lovely, lovely week. Goodbye. Ta-ta. You can check us out on YouTube at Catum Concoction. That's C-A-T-A-M-C-O-N-C-O-C-T-I-O-N. <laughs> <laughs> and on Instagram at cast underscore aghast. Remember, there's a silent H. Yeah. In such anger. Yeah. Holy shit. That poor fucking... Poor, poor fuck. That sucks. I know. I know. And... Oh, sorry. sweetie. <laughs> it's tough. Where did it... Where no, did I don't it? think you said it. No, I did. Yeah, sorry. Oh. I did I say ju- it. I just don't listen to you. <laughs> <laughs>